Welcome back to the Honestly Well podcast. I'm Marissa Fay, your host and holistic nutritionist based in Denver, Colorado, but working with clients all over the country, supporting you to really and truly feel honestly well without the fads and with good information and practices that really and truly will change the way that you are living your life. I am so glad that you are here today to listen to this conversation. I had the honor of being joined by a dear friend of mine, actually somebody who I met in high school, believe it or not, who has turned out to be an empathetic and conscientious business owner herself. And, you know, we've had so many personal conversations around this topic of boundaries and self-trust and self-compassion that one day I just thought, hey, this would make the perfect podcast episode because I am always talking with my clients about boundaries and how to develop them, where to put them into place, how to flex that muscle that I really think of it as. So I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. I would love to connect with you in the free Facebook group. It's the Honestly Well Holistic Health Community. You can just search for us there on Facebook. I do all kinds of free uh, information information there and masterclasses. And they're a group that's among the first to know about fun and upcoming things that I have going on. So be sure to check me out there. And without further ado, I will hand it over to this discussion on boundaries. Well, I'm so excited, everyone, to welcome my friend Jennifer Ernst, who's a psychologist and the owner of Do Brave Work, to have a conversation today about boundaries. And so at first, I'm going to hand it over to Jen. Jen, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about yourself and about Do Brave Work and what you do with my audience. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Marissa, for having me on this morning. I am very excited to be here with you. And yeah, so I'll kick it off with a little bit about me. I am, as you said, a psychologist by training and an entrepreneur by trade. Um, After working for about a decade in company cultures of bullying and burnout, I felt really deeply disappointed by a lack of humanness that I found to be rampant in our workplace cultures today. So I left the corporate world in 2019 to start my own company called Do Brave Work in what was my process of really reimagining organizational responsibility, um, society's standards of success, and how we are living our lives. Um, You know, I think that we're a nation that's living and working overextended, overstressed, overscheduled. And we're desperately seeking more connection and meaning and joy, I think, in all the wrong places. You know, things like our accomplishments and status and acquisitions. And we're really exhausted. Um, But at the same time, I think we're afraid to slow down. And what we end up doing is giving whatever is left over at the end of the day to our partners and to our children. And what we desire and value most starts eroding in this hustle that we're all mm-hmm. um, So what I really is, I help overextended and overstressed people who are hustling to please, to perfect, to prove their worth, start really believing that they're enough in order to say enough. And yeah. 
Um, you know, men and women hire me to release anxiety and to start to really tackle the dark emotions that are getting in the way of leading a fuller life. So they can start transforming um, the way that we live, love, parent, lead, um, the way that we're showing up in all of those areas of, of our lives. Yeah, that's such important work. And I really admire what you do just from some of my own experience in nonprofits and in health organizations where there are sometimes some people and they're usually not people in the positions of power who really want to have the conversation around how to make the workplace healthier and happier. But the people in positions of power really don't value emotional intelligence, don't value really our humanness. They want people just to perform. And it's actually one of the reasons that I personally got out of that line of work because it really wore away at me. And as much as I tried to establish boundaries, it just wasn't possible to put enough boundaries into place and have that respected in that type of environment. So I imagine there mm -hmm. are a lot of people listening who have been something, been through something like that. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is rampant. And, um, you know, with the way business is evolving today, I mean, fortunately, I think the conversation around bringing your whole self to work and creating work environments that allow us to do that are becoming um, more common. It's, it's gaining momentum. But the actual living of the values that corporations put up on their walls, there's still a lot of work left to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's part of what I do as well, then, is I, I also work with organizations to start to help them rehumanize workplace culture and building leaders who want to who want that support to really grow into the leader that they wish they had. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I want to start this conversation at the point of the individual, because I really believe mm -hmm. that we all have the opportunity to create environments for ourselves that are healthier for us. You may not have the absolute control, but I do think that we all have some control to an extent. And so I want to just start with what do we mean when we say boundaries, because that mm -hmm. word is thrown around so much. And I rarely hear someone like really define and explain to someone like, first, here is what we mean when we throw out this word. And then here's how you can create it and use it. So let's yes. start with the what is a boundary? Okay, so boundaries are basically your list of non negotiables about what's okay, and what's not okay. And that list ideally is reflecting what is most valuable to you, what's most important to you. So it requires you to really get clear on that and then learn how to say enough or no when that boundary is being crossed. Mm -hmm. So Living boundary really requires us to learn how to communicate those non-negotiables, start asking for what we need, uh, start holding people accountable for their behavior when they're crossing our boundaries, and holding ourselves accountable for staying aligned with our values, mm -hmm. which is challenging to do in a society, I think, where we face a lot of pressure 
um, and you know, where people are going to constantly be placing their expectations upon us. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to figure out, does that really align with what is best for me and my well-being in the way that I want to live my life and to be able to um, say no when it doesn't. So how does somebody get in touch with it, it sounds to me like we're talking about the starting place being like values and understanding your values. Uh, yeah. But how does somebody get in touch with like what those things are in order for them to make that list of what's important to them to kind of protect and define? Yes, yes. So that's a great question. Um, and this is an exercise that I love, I did not come up with this, so I have got to give credit to Ms. Dr. Brene Brown, um, which is one of my favorites, (laughs) yes, (laughs) but she talks about, in a couple of her books, she references something called a joy and meaning list, and basically what it is, is you create a list of specific conditions that are in place when everything is feeling really good in your life. So what is, what is it that you're doing when you are able to show up at your best? So for example, for me, I have to get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Mm. Um, I have to work out like five days a week, Um, healthy food, meditating, reading, um, creating something, spending meaningful time with friends and family. So these are these are some of the specific conditions that for me, I really value in my life. And to then take that list that you create for yourself and start to compare it to how you define success. Mm. And what's often the case is we end up spending so much time trying to achieve and produce and accomplish that there's no time left over for the things that are on our joy and meaning list. Mm -hmm. And so what we can start to do then by creating this list is to A, build a critical awareness around, are we actually living into the values that we say we hold most important in our lives? And then start taking some of those things off the to-do list where there is a mismatch and add in, you know, be present with the kids or take a nap or, you know, whatever it may be Mm -hmm. that you need that's important to you. So you can start realigning yourself with what matters most. Mm. I'm thinking that there are people who might go through that and they might come to a point where they're like, yes, maybe I have a value of being more present with my family. However, my job demands that I'm working 12 hour days. How do I create that alignment then if this is a value I have and a boundary I want to try to set at work, but feel like I don't have the control in order to do so? Yes. Yes. So I think, you know, I think it's interesting, this idea of I don't have the control in order to do so. Um, Setting boundaries is hard to do because we run the risk of a lot of backlash Mm -hmm. as a result of trying to set them. I want to pause you on that because I think this is 
there's a lot of alignment to me between habits and changing behaviors Mm -hmm. there. I find folks when I'm working with them and doing kind of nutrition work and things around their general well-being, that there are often people in their lives and settings that they go into where holding the line of here's something I'm doing for my own well-being and having other people you know, put their expectations on them and making it more challenging to really change the habit because there are concerns of how everyone's going to react in their world or of how they'll be able to show up in different settings because of that. Yes, yes, exactly. So people are going to 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 react potentially very negatively yes. to the changes that you're trying to make because we've developed relationships in a system, right? Mm -hmm. Where I've learned how to relate to you and you've learned how to relate to me um, as sort of how we've been operating. And when there's a differentiation from the norm, so to speak, um, things feel out of balance then, right? Mm -hmm. That's where like change starts to happen and people get uncomfortable and, So the tendency is to want to try to force it back into where our comfort zone is, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're always going to run into that resistance either within ourselves or in the relationships around us or the environments around us, uh, which makes it challenging to do. And that's where I think that, um, A, we have to be aware of the signs that we're likely to sort of fall off the bandwagon in holding firm to our boundaries. Mm. And we can start to recognize that, that in ourselves when we notice this fear of disappointing people, fear of rocking the boat, um, wanting to please everybody, uh, feeling guilty or resentful or taken advantage of. I mean, these are signs that we're not doing so well in holding or set or maintaining our boundaries. Well, and I think if that's where you are, right, if you're noticing that there's this disconnect between things that you're valuing outside of your professional space and then how you're being asked to show up or are showing up in your professional space, I think people knowing that it's not all or nothing, right? That you don't have to make a zero to 100 change, that you can take some baby steps. I mean, that's something I really encourage folks to do is like breaking down into mini goals. And so I feel like with setting boundaries in settings where you feel it's challenging, and maybe you're someone who feels actually it's challenging with your family or with your friends, Mm -hmm. maybe setting some baby steps. And I'm thinking about even folks who choose to stop drinking alcohol, right? And their friends are used to them drinking alcohol. And if they were to show up and say, you know, I've decided I'm no longer drinking alcohol, period, they may get a different reaction than if they said, I'm no longer drinking alcohol right now, right? Mm -hmm. Or something that is showing, you know, this is just something for a little bit, I'm trying out, I'm experimenting with versus this is something I'm being really strict about for the foreseeable future. And that changes folks' comfort level Uh, when I think you're trying to implement and set that boundary. 
Absolutely, Marissa, I think that's a, a brilliant idea, this idea of baby stepping and mm -hmm. sort of testing out the waters. I mean, one of the things that stops us dead in our tracks is like the fear of the consequences, right? Like, and a lot mm -hmm. of times those aren't necessarily conscious fears when we're trying to change behavior. It's, you know, I've always said this, I've had this saying of all behavior has a purpose for the person who has it. Mm -hmm. and And so when we're trying to change behavior, oftentimes the purpose that the behavior is serving isn't always conscious in our mind. Mm -hmm. And so that's where then we run up against this fear where we feel stuck. Like we feel like we can't do what we actually want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of a becoming aware of what those unconscious fears are, but also testing our hypotheses, so to speak. Like if we think that this is gonna be some negative consequence as a result of doing this different behavior, is that actually true? Mm. You know, and baby stepping that is a good way to do that. Um, and sometimes we find out that it's not true. And sometimes we find out that it is true. And, you know, where people maybe, like you set a boundary and people say to you, you know, like, who do you think you are? you know, in, 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 in saying that or mm -hmm. wanting that or asking that or whatever of me, um, I think is a common response. Um, and so I think that's where then we have to really think about our ability to set boundaries well and to maintain them is really to, is connected to our, our sense of self-worth, mm -hmm. you know, and we have to, as, as Brene says, to borrow uh, a line from her, we have to believe we're enough in order to say enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're talking about a workplace environment where I think there is so much of this idea of productivity attached to self-worth and what you produce, um, that we're afraid that if we don't prove ourselves that we're going to be looked at and judged as not good enough. Mm -hmm. And the reality, in my opinion, is that we have to start challenging a culture that says we expect you to work 12 hours a day in order to be successful here. You know, I mean, that's not healthy. Yeah. I'm thinking about an example of a place that I worked where juxtaposition of me and how I set a boundary around my time and accessibility and off hours and uh, a colleague of mine. So I had a colleague who would work at just all hours, right? Like would uh, send texts and emails, would receive texts and emails. I mean, literally like all hours, right? Mm -hmm. And I made it very clear, you know, the first couple of times I received messages that were outside of my typical work time, mm -hmm. I would say, you know, I can appreciate that you've sent this. I'll respond to this when I'm back in the office tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then it got to a point where it happened so frequently that I would just stop responding if it was outside of work hours and just started to show more with my actions that, you know, I will respond to this when I'm back in the office. And right, if it's truly something urgent, then I would be on it, right? But yeah. a lot of it was not urgent. And something I later learned about this colleague was that 
growing up, they had to work really, really hard in school to do well, that they had um, some learning uh, issues and that that created a, a story for them that they had to work harder, work longer in order to produce good work and have their work valued and have their self-worth kind of validated. Mm -hmm. And when I learned that, it made so much sense because me, I didn't have as much of a problem saying, you know, this is this is a time I'm off. Like you don't, work doesn't pay me enough <laughs> to be on right. 24 seven, you know, that's right. just, you know, I wasn't in an emergency medical type role uh, right. where those folks may be more of an exception here, but it was like, work doesn't pay me enough to show up at every hour. And I'm not going to perpetuate this expectation or even the idea that this is okay, because I also want you as my colleague to freaking rest. Like, yes. I also want, you will be a better colleague to me and to everyone else if you set, if set this boundary, you know, but we were so different. We were in like polar opposites of how we handled this. And it was a big aha to me of learning this person's story and yes. starting to understand where that behavior might have been coming from. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's, that's a couple of really good points. I think you make that stand out in what you're, what you're sharing is, you know, first you communicate, you communicated your boundary and people aren't always going to hear it right away. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to be willing to actually follow through yes. on what you're saying. Right. Because it's, you know, it's, I think it's so easy to start to be tempted to move your line in the stand, right? Like, oh, it's just this one issue or, oh, it's, you know, I feel bad if I don't respond to this or whatever. Um, but, you know, this, I heard recently this saying that you get what you tolerate. Mm -hmm. And so behaviorally speaking, it's so important to really practice following through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, you know, in learning, learning somebody's story, going back to this idea of all behavior has a purpose for the person who has it. So, you know, when you're trying to set boundaries and it's really challenging for you, I think one of the practices in um, getting better at setting boundaries is starting to practice self-awareness. Mm. And how do you build self-awareness? Like, I used to like it's such a it's such an ambiguous concept, right? It like, is. How do I become self-aware? <laughs> yeah, can I just push the button? Well, that yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But what it really comes down to is, in a moment, like when you feel a discomfort, right, around setting a boundary, that you pause to go inward and reflect on what am I feeling? What am I thinking? So what is it that, what is the tape, the, the self-talk that's literally running in my head right now? What am I believing about myself or about others in this situation? And what is it that I wanna do as a result? Mm -hmm. And when we ask ourselves those four key questions, so it's thinking, feeling, believing, doing, 
what it does is it illuminates a pattern, our pattern of behavior. Mm, I want to pause and say that one more time. So thinking, yep. feeling, believing, and doing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so the thinking, the feeling, and the believing work together to produce the doing, the behavior mm -hmm. that you see or the behavior that you're stuck in, right? And becoming aware of why we do the things we do is really turning inward and asking ourselves, what are those four key questions, mm -hmm. the answers to those four key questions. And so that illuminates our patterns and human beings operate on patterns. Yeah. And so the first step to changing the pattern is to knowing what it is. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you start to know what it is. So that's how you start to learn, okay, well, this is, this was my history, right? Like in your example, this was my history, this person's history. And here's how I linked up my experience to the need to constantly do more, push more, produce more. And once we can see our beliefs in front of us, we're no, we no longer need to be controlled by them because we're now aware of them. We can do something to shift them. Mm -hmm. And that's the work, right? It's the shifting those unconscious belief patterns that produce the behavior so that we can, we can ultimately change it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also thinking that, you know, in, in the case of the example I shared, I was, I had had experience where I already had to learn to set a boundary around access to me outside of normal work hours. And if you're somebody who is wanting to change something in your work environment, one of the things that can sometimes work is if you're observing something amongst yourself or your colleagues is to actually, or even amongst people who supervise you is to actually go to your supervisor or depending on the case, your supervisor supervisor and ask, is this an expectation, right? Is it an expectation that I'm available at 9 p.m. on a Friday? Because when I accepted this position, it was my understanding that work hours were nine to six and that we needed to be available then and outside of those times it was my personal time and so i just want to understand if there's some other unspoken or spoken expectation ab about my availability in order to do my job and based on that answer right then it can actually help to empower you on the boundary you're setting and when you're setting the boundary especially enforcing it with colleagues it can be helpful to just know that you've had that conversation so that you know, you know, yeah, the expectation is not that I'm available at 9 p.m. on a Friday unless, right, mm -hmm. we have a deadline, right, or unless there is a very high stakes something going on. And I think getting that information, there's like a part of I find my experience as a woman and I find this in common with other people who identify as women where we're kind of sometimes subtly and not so subtly taught that we need to be yes people at all hours, at all times, especially in our work environments. And so by by asking those types of questions and getting that kind of information, it really helped me to feel okay saying no or saying not right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was an important part for me and my journey of learning that setting boundaries was not only okay, but it was good for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we can just assume or we make mm -hmm. up a story in our head 
And we start operating based on that and to be able to hit the pause button and check in and and ask like, hey, this is the story I'm making up. Is that true? You know, or what what is the the expectation? Um, you're absolutely right. It, it gives you that ability to make more informed decisions and be able to better set those boundaries moving forward. Well, and I even love that. I know it gave the example thinking about work and we've talked a bit about work, but I even love that in interpersonal relationships. Like I know that I've done that in dating relationships where I've said, you know, I'm noticing that this has happened a few times and I'm wondering, is it an expectation that, you know, every time you call, I answer the phone right away? you know, and I find that really helpful in understanding, you know, first of all, why somebody might need something like that, where that's coming from, but also being really clear about what you're willing and able to do within the dynamics of that relationship to create something that, you know, you can and want to kind of nurture and respond to. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So often, like we hold these rules and expectations in our relationships that we don't always communicate. And Mm -hmm. then we get so upset when somebody violates them. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I've heard that, well, they should have known by now for two years or whatever, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Not that good. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when you have those moments and you're like, wait, you couldn't read my mind. Like, how did you not know that that's, you know, that I wanted you to unload the dishwasher? How did you not know? Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think that's that when you are approaching boundaries, it doesn't always have to be like this, uh, harsh conversation, you know, where you're coming from this angry place, you know, because you violated or disrespected something that I need, you know, it, Mm. it can be a softer approach in giving the other person the benefit of the doubt to understand what were you thinking? You know, what was going on for you? What are your expectations? Cause they may be very different from mine. And let's Mm -hmm. just like have a healthy conversation to get on the same page. And then, you know, we can move forward with that awareness going, you know, going forward. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think we all have the opportunity to work a little bit more on flexing our curiosity or observer muscle, right. Mm -hmm. Of just like not even forming an opinion about something or someone else's behaviors, but being like, huh, why I wonder where that came from, or I wonder why that happened, or I wonder why they said that, right? And yes. even just flipping it that way, as opposed to like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that, or what were they thinking, or something that has a lot of judgment, it just changes your relationship to the situation. Yes. I mean, that is one of the core ingredients of building a true connection in a relationship where both people feel deeply seen and known and have the opportunity to be valued for who they are is just that willingness to lean in with curiosity rather Mm -hmm. than judgment. Because when we lean in with judgment, you know, it creates an environment where the other person is afraid to be open with who they are. And so there is more of a likelihood that they start sharing a little bit less of their authentic selves and their experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, to create that connection, it's it's, it's on both people. It's on the one person to create an environment that's safe for that person to share 
And it's also on that, that other person to say, you know what, this is really important to me. And I need to speak my truth mm-hmm. and be honest about what's going on, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. Um, and like we were saying earlier, that can sometimes be scary because you don't know the kind of results that or response that you're going to get. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it comes back to, do I want to change who I am to keep everything quote unquote, okay, and not rock the boat? Or do I want to be who I am and have an opportunity to really be in uh, a deep, connected, loving relationship? Mm. And you only get that with one of those options. Yeah. And I wonder about, as you, as you were talking and sharing that, I was thinking about, you know, I have had the experience where I've seen, and I've also seen with some of my clients and my friends where it actually can be the hardest to set and keep these boundaries with people we've had long relationships with. So I'm thinking like family members, like a parent uh, Mm -hmm. or somebody you've been in a long-term relationship with or a very old friend that you've had. It feels, I think, daunting for some folks to basically rewrite the contract in a way, right? Rewrite the expectations. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or advice for folks who are wanting to change uh, the boundaries that they're setting in those dynamics on how to approach when they have a lot of history with someone, um, how to approach that type of change. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, You know, I think that... The first step is a taking the time to really define your boundary. The second step would be then to communicate that to the person. So something like, you know, if this continues to happen, dot, 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 whatever that is, I will no longer fill in the blank, right? Mm. Um, So some sort of phrase like that um, to communicate in a clear way what that boundary is. Um, And then the, where the hard part then comes in is the practice of being able to maintain it. Mm -hmm. So depending on the response that you're getting, you know, you might be told that you're selfish or, you know, you don't love me if you're doing this, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, whatever that response may be. I mean, I've had clients and been in experiences where I've heard these things, right? Um, and I think in those moments, it's really about tapping into A sense of clarity about why you're setting the boundary, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. And your intention behind it. Because it can try to get manipulated. You know, like that, like I the example I gave, like, oh, you don't love me if you if you ask for this or if mm-hmm. you do this. You know, like that's not my intention. Like, and that's not how I feel, right? I do, but here's what I'm asking for. Here's why I'm asking for it. Here's why it's important um, to me. And I'd really like to try to practice working within that boundary in our relationship, you know? Um, and you know, if you're in, if you're in a, in somewhat of a healthy relationship, I mean, you would be getting ideally a response back where there is some sort of willingness to, to give that a try. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, but there are times where you may end up having to draw a line in the sand where you are severing your ties. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, those experiences happen. I mean, I can give you my personal story where I severed ties with an organization, you know, that it was just this culture of overwork and burnout. And, um, you know, I, I had a tough conversation and they're not comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you can rehearse ahead of time what you want to say and literally like practice it with a friend, you know, so you can actually like physiologically get yourself used to having the conversation, you know? So I think that's some of the prep work that, that you can do. And then just being prepared for maybe some of the responses that you might get Mm -hmm. and how you would like to, to handle those responses so that you feel less like you have a chance to be caught off guard. Yeah, I like that. I think sometimes we we are worried about a no, but we don't prepare ourselves for a no and what that mm-hmm. means. So almost not worrying yourself, but trying to follow that rabbit hole a little bit of like, and what if somebody says no? Or what if somebody answers this question in a way, you know, what if my supervisor had answered the question saying like, yes, you are expected to be available at 9 p.m. on a Friday, right? right. Then, right. then what? Then what right. would I say um, so that you're not caught off guard to your point? Right. Right. And, you know, interestingly enough, like doing that exercise is going to help you become even clearer on where are you actually going to draw your line in the sand, right? Like I say, I'm not willing to do this, but when push comes to shove and this is the pushback I'm getting, am I really willing to stand my ground here? And what am I willing to let go of Mm -hmm. or give up? Um, in order to align myself with that boundary or that value. Mm-hmm. It's a good test for ourselves. Yeah. Something you said too, that I want to highlight for folks is you brought up the idea of if somebody's really resistant saying something like, I'd like to practice this mm-hmm. because X, Y, Z, I really like that kind of language. If you feel like you're dealing with someone who uh, maybe is not themselves practice in using or setting boundaries. I'm thinking in particular family members that's sometimes really hard with. Mm-hmm. So maybe saying something like, you know, I would like us to practice this and I know it's going to be challenging to get used to, but here's my reason why this is really important to me. And I know you care about me and love me. And so I hope that you can, you know, honor this and we can learn together or something like that. I think is could be a little bit of a softer approach with someone who you think may be really resistant. Absolutely. And then, you know, also when you're asking for the boundary and you're get you're receiving that resistance to lean in with curiosity in that moment about what is behind that resistance, you know, so maybe it's asking a question like, so I, you know, you're, I can, I can see that you are um, struggling with this idea, you know, or uh, it, it, it might feel scary or something, you know, based on what they're saying to you about what their experience is with, with this idea of whatever boundary you're trying to create. And um, to ask, you know, if we were to do this, what are you afraid might happen? Or what would that, what would that mean to you? How would that affect you? What, what are you afraid might occur or yeah. be different or not be here anymore? 
or be threatening in some way, right? Like mm-hmm. fear is always the reason, you know, that we don't want to change something. So there's rule of thumb, there's some fear going on about this change occurring. Mm-hmm. And so to try to lean in with curiosity and understand what are they afraid is going to happen if we do this, um, can really open up the conversation to better understand where that person is at in the relationship and how to consider that when you are negotiating the boundary. Yeah. I love that because I think about it a lot with my clients where, you know, somebody who does a lot of cooking in the house is working with me and it may be encouraged to change some of the things they eat. And when they share it with other adults that they live in a house with, it becomes a a lot of defensiveness, a lot of people being upset. And I think shifting to ask like, what are you worried about? You know, why, why do you think this idea bothers you? I think could be a really important step to understanding, you know, how you need to set up your home or what needs to still take place in order for that person to feel, you know, comfortable or secure if you're a part of helping them to feel that way. I'm thinking about, you know, someone who I tell, hey, it's really important you cut out gluten and dairy. Uh, And some folks having a lot of trouble with uh, a partner who maybe grew up having a lot of dairy and a lot of gluten products. And usually the fear in that case is somebody's afraid that they're going to be judged for continuing to consume those projects or, or I'm sorry, those products, or someone is afraid that, um, you know, they're not going to be able to share an enjoyment of foods with you anymore. And so Mm -hmm. reassuring someone that, that those things can still happen for them personally, and that you're making a choice for yourself, you know, can help to create a healthier dynamic in the space of you making changes in your health. Yes, absolutely. And that goes back to what we were talking about before with reality checking the Mm -hmm. stories that we make up with our, our partners to, to just be on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I want to see if you have any final thoughts as we're winding down here, any final advice or thoughts about boundaries that you want to make sure people hear uh, before we log off today. Yeah, I'd say in a nutshell, you know, setting boundaries comes down to A, knowing your values and B, knowing your values. And then learning how to say enough or to say no. And Doing that is really a practice, I think, in the act of choosing courage over what feels comfortable. Um, communicating and maintaining boundaries, it's, it's not a comfortable thing to do. So I'd say that if you want to start living a more boundaried life, then I think holding a value of courage, which is, you know, when we're feeling scared or awkward, that we accept those feelings, we don't run from them. Um, And we move forward anyway, we act anyway in alignment with our values, even when it's hard. And that we hold that value of courage out in front of, in in front of us daily is really a must. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Jennifer, today. I would love for you to share with the audience where they can find you. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me on Instagram at dobravework. And you can also visit my website, dobravework.com to learn more about my coaching programs, um, as well as email me direct to book a free 30-minute consultation. 